The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Starting next week, we're going to begin a study of 1 Timothy. So if you want to read ahead, if you'll start reading 1 Timothy, we'll be in that particular epistle. It's one of the pastoral epistles. We'll be there from now through May, actually, with a little break for Easter. And uh, we'll be looking at Paul as he wrote to Timothy. Uh, Secondly, a word of thanks from the TBC leadership for your generosity over not just the past year, but over all the years. Uh, By God's grace, as you know, Bev and I have been here uh, at TBC for 31 years now. And in our history for 31 years, every single... Yeah, I just can't find a job anywhere else, so don't clap too loud. Uh, But every year for 31 years, we have exceeded our giving in the previous year. And I would say... TBC has probably less pressure than any church you've ever been a part of in giving. Uh, One year that didn't happen, 2008, we were 1% behind the previous year. But the leadership wants to say thanks. Through your generosity this year, we've impacted globally. If you remember back in October, we celebrated 20-year anniversary with our sister church in the Ukraine. And we just came before you for two weeks and said, what we'd like to do is bring them a gift. And since it's 20 years, we'd like to take up $20,000 in addition to our normal giving and uh, bring them a gift, $1,000 for each year. We've been friends. In two weeks, you gave $26,000. We're able to bring that to them, send that to them, give that to them. They rejoice so much and so grateful for what God did through you. So, so thanks for that. Also, uh, we've done things like uh, locally, we've done backyard Bible schools we call impact, and we've literally impacted hundreds of kids for Christ in, in our communities. And we, we've got 27 missionaries in 17 countries. 20% of our general fund off the top goes straight to missions. All that to say, this past year, 2012, the leadership says thanks, elders, deacon, staff. Uh, you provide for our families, the staff families, as uh, you provide for us. But uh, this past year, uh, through those little boxes in the hallway, the checks you mail in, et cetera, uh, we exceeded. Last year was our greatest year of uh, income. We exceeded that by $250,000 this year. We took in $3.6 million over the course of last year. So we say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. We, 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 just, uh, we can give him praise for that, okay? We, we, we honor him. We glorify him for that. We will have a... We'll, we'll give you a full accounting in the next couple of weeks after we get our books closed and do all that. But, but we just want you to know, through your generosity, through your gifts, what God is doing in our body. That's just one small thing. One small thing. Uh, there are other things. We baptized over 100 folks this year at the creek, and uh, w- what a blessing that was. And we dedicated over 75 babies and two baby dedications. So God continues to add to our body uh, in numerous ways, as you can tell. Over 1,000 families called TBC Home crazy in a, in, a, in a small town the size of Temple Belt and Salado that uh, those things would happen. Uh, I, Tim Cartwright's our junior high pastor, and he does leads a lot of the outreach stuff that we do. And so I said, Tim, would you send me an email telling me uh, some of the things we, that, that God used our body to do in our community in December? And he said, uh, we hosted the Bell County Foster Families Christmas Party. So every foster family in Bell County was invited to the Outback at TBC for a party. And at that particular party, there were 100, over 170 people. And uh, through your generosity and through a couple of small groups, we provided them with a meal. 170 plus folks provided all of them with a meal, and each kid got a couple of gifts. Over 96, 96 kids were there. They get a couple of gifts. We did a Christmas drive for uh, 27 families. Over 800 gifts were given for those 27 families. We participated in Angel Tree, where we provided gifts to the sons and daughters of people incarcerated. 
uh, over 300 gifts came in for Angel Tree. Uh, we do the drop the first Sunday of every month. We, you leave non-perishables on the trunk of your car, and we take those and send them to churches touching lives for Christ. And uh, I'm told that we provide, just TBC provides, a week and a half to two weeks worth of groceries for people in our community. Uh, impact, uh, some of our kids did impact this past summer, and they said, we really want to continue having an impact. And so uh, our kids, led by one of our ladies, uh, Angela, uh, they've continued doing BCYC, Belton Youth Club. They've continued at, on Canyon Creek at Meadow Village. They've continued having weekly impact Bible studies on their own. Isn't that amazing? Let's give those kids a hand and thank God for them. So all that to say, all that to say, we are grateful, we are humbled, and it's our desire to see Jesus lifted up and for folks to be drawn to him. And when we act like the body of Christ and we love one another and we worship him, our community notices. And when that happens, we have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And that's why we do all this. We do all this so he'll receive glory, he'll receive honor, so his kingdom will be expanded, and so that folks will be honored. So on behalf of our leadership team, thanks for the work that you're doing. Second Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to do, since we start First Timothy next week, I'm going to do uh, New Year's part 2. Stephen did part 1 last week. So it's a part 2 for us, and it's how to grow in 2013. Father, we are so grateful for this body. What a delight to see your hand at work in our midst, to see the work that you do, Father, for people that serve, people that give, people that pray, people that encourage us, and uh, just to hear of your work brings great joy to our hearts, great joy to honor you, to lift you up, and to make sure you're the one that receives all the glory, all the honor. So we say thanks, Father. Thanks to your goodness to us each and every day. In Christ's name, amen. How many of you made some type of New Year resolution? Some type of New Year resolution. Watch this video about resolutions. This year will be different. This year will be different. This year will be different. This year, I need to eat less. You know what? I do solemnly swear that this year I will lose 10 pounds, or at least five. Five is the magic number. That's how many times I want to visit my grandmother this year, which would be five more than last year. Learn to wait. I always want things instantly. I need patience. Now, this year I'll be nicer to my parents. What, Mom? Get off my back. I just need peace in my life. I'm just so nervous all the time. I just, I'm twitching. Three kids, I'm a twitcher. I'm twitching. I twitch. I just can't seem to get my pits to stop sweating. Can you, can you see this? Look, when did I become the human leak? I mean, I know I've got some stress about my future and everything, but why can't I just be like everyone else and you conceal it? Okay, I'll just have to fake it till I make it, and I'll... Be better than I've ever been in my entire life. If I'm going to make this year count, I have to do some things differently. It's too pay time. Make some goals this year. Just three, not ten. Stop judging people who aren't like me. Stop snapping at my kids. Dream! Character over image. 
Learn that I'm loved, but not entitled. God, did you forget about me? I'm here. Just show me what to do. Give me the strength to change. What am I saying? I, I don't even know if I want to change, God. I'm comfortable. I have a good life. I know. You want the best for me. So why don't I want the best for me? Starting tomorrow, using my gifts and talents, I'm going to live my life differently. God's way. I'm tired of keeping this great gift. A secret. Can I tell you a secret? I feel like I'm separated from something. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But whatever I need, it's bigger than this world can offer. I offer my life, God. It's something much more than what I can see. So please, God, would you just take this little bit of faith that I have? I just can't wait another year. When most of us think about change, we think about external things. What I appreciate about that video, finally they come around and say, we need to change some internal things. There's some things in our lives that need to be changed. And it's not just getting in shape and losing a few pounds, but really what needs to happen is I need to be changed from the inside out. And as we think about 2013, that's how I want to challenge you. I want you to think about changing from the inside out. You know, the one, number one resolution in America every year is what? Losing weight. It's amazing. Number two, start exercising. Number three, less time at work, more time at home. We came here in 1981. My mantra in that year was 181 and 81. Obviously, it hadn't happened. Uh, now it's 213 and 13. Actually, I'm waiting for the year 235 so that <laughs> it can take place. But more importantly than externals are internals, the internals that we are to focus upon. If you look on the little outline I've given you, it talks about grow, how to grow, G-R-O-W. The G stands for godliness. In 2013, my prayer is that we will grow in godliness. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that that would be the way that we live our lives. So here, let me show you the encouragement of Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it'll be in the PowerPoint in front of you as well in your Bibles or apps. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, therefore, Paul writes, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. We look not at things that are seen, but things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul says we need to have a proper priority, a proper focus, a proper perspective. In verse 16, he says we need to have a proper priority. I want to focus on just that one verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He begins by saying, therefore, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. He's saying, don't quit. No matter how deep the trial, no matter how long the journey, no matter how difficult the pathway, Paul says, don't lose heart. And if anybody knew obstacles that would cause someone to lose heart, it was Paul. In fact, just look in that same chapter, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul said, I've had many obstacles. He said, in my life, I've been afflicted, I've been perplexed, I've been persecuted, but, but I've been struck down, but I haven't given up. If you jot down your notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you look at chapter 11, you'll see Paul has a litany of the things that he went through beginning in verse 23. It says, five times I received the, the 39 lashes. 
Forty lashes by the Jews was considered death, so five times Paul is stretched out on a pole, his back is made taunt, and a scourging takes place where he is lashed like Jesus was when he was scourged. Paul underwent that five times. He was shipwrecked. He spent time in the deep. He spent time on land. He spent time running from robbers, etc., etc. He lays all that out in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 and following, and yet Paul looks at us and he says, don't lose heart. Even though your journey may be long and even though your trials may be deep and even though your struggles may be painful, Paul says, don't give up and don't quit. You've got an unbelieving friend, don't give up on him, don't quit. You've got a wayward spouse or son or a daughter, don't give up, don't quit. You've got a loveless marriage, don't give up, don't quit. You've got a lifeless spiritual life, don't give up and don't quit. Don't stop. Paul says, do not lose heart. One of my favorite illustrations of that, I hadn't used it in several years, it's, uh, or actually about three years looking at my cards, my notes, it has to do with Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill graduated from the Harold Prep School. He was called back after being Prime Minister of England to give the graduation speech at the Harrow School. Everyone was excited about Sir Winston. And if you know anything about the history of Winston Churchill, he was round. He was about five foot four, probably about 280, 300 pounds. And they, they watched Sir Winston as his entourage came. He sat on the, on the stage waiting for his time to speak. And as he got up at the graduation of the Harold Prep School, all boys, he looked at them. And they were waiting for Sir Winston to deliver the address. And I'm sure they weren't too excited because nobody likes graduation speeches. But he delivered a graduation speech that no one can forget. Everyone there knew every word. Sir Winston looked at all those young men getting ready to graduate in seven times with that bulldog face, that British accent. I need Stephen up here to do this, actually. He says, never, 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 never give up. And he turned around and sat down. And the place went crazy. Probably because of the shortest graduation speech in the history of speeches. But they went crazy because of that simple message. Don't give up. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, do not lose heart. He says no matter how difficult the trial, no matter how how long the journey, no no matter how how difficult you, you struggle with these things, don't quit. You ever lose heart in the spiritual life? You just want to throw in the towel and say, enough, enough. You want to heed Job's wife as advice. Job's wife turned to him in the midst of their trials. You remember what she said? Curse God and die. And there are times we get that way in the spiritual life and we want to turn on God. And Paul says, I want you to know, don't give up. Don't give up. And then he goes on and he says, your outer man is decaying. Your outer man is decaying. Anybody agree with that besides me? Your outer man is decaying. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, as I get older, it's amazing how long it takes when you get a little nicked up or something happens to, to overcome those things. I mean, things begin to change. Your eyes go dim, your ears go deaf, your hair turns gray or turns loose, one or the other. I mean, it's amazing. It, it, it's amazing what takes place. This week, I, uh, my workout partner on Friday morning couldn't be there. And so uh, I'm teaching a Bible study, and in the Bible study on Friday morning, I had six young guys, and uh, one of them runs Gym X. And so I work out there regularly, don't look like it, but I do. And uh, James says, since your partner's not here, I'll work out. James runs Gym X, he's a trainer. And uh, you ever work out with a trainer? <laughs> if you're 58 years old, 30 pounds overweight, 
And so James says, uh, we're going to work on your core. My what? I've got legs, I've got arms, I've got... We're going to work on your core. Apples have core, people don't have core. And he says, now we're going to work on your core. He said, we're going to work on your balance first. And I said, well, that sounds good to me. Well, he pulled out this thing right here. It's like a half ball. You guys ever try and do that thing? Well, what we got on the half ball thing on the left over there where you see the feet. And uh, I can't skate. I can't ski. I can barely walk. I've got terrible balance. I mean, it's just absolutely terrible. So we get in that thing, and I, I, I'm dying to find that I, I can't do it. I mean, I'm hanging on the him for dear life. And so he flips it over to go like this. But I'm not going to do a push-up. I'm going to stand on it. You ever try and stand on something like that? I said, James, why are we doing this? And he looked at me and he said, because men your age tend to break their hips. <laughs> I adjusted my hearing aids and said, would you just say, bro? <laughs> you need balance so you don't break your hip. My first thought was, why would you have me stand on that thing if you worry about me breaking my hip? And secondly, I'm going to bitch press you right out of this building right now. Men my age, what are you talking about, you young whippersnapper, you? But hey, it decays, doesn't it? It decays. Some of you guys were studs in high school. I got news for you. You ain't the same. Your wife doesn't look at you and think, hunk a hunk of burning love. It doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen. Ladies, I don't know why you're laughing because the same thing happens with you. Just the facts. Most of you put on your war paint before you came here this morning for a reason. He said, I don't know why I said all that. We have a long talk this afternoon, I can tell. Our outer man is decaying. Paul says, you got an issue. The issue is this. The issue is you not to lose heart. Your outer man's decaying. So you think, Paul, how do I do that? I mean, how do I not lose heart in the midst of the culture we live in and all that we do? I'm I'm trying to work. I'm trying to raise kids. I'm trying to love my spouse. I'm trying to have a ministry. How how do I not lose heart? How do I do that? Paul, how how do I? I, My outer man is decaying. I know that. But how do I not lose heart? And he says, here's how you do it. By renewing your inner man day by day. He says, here's how you do it. You take care of your inner soul. You know, our society is just addicted to the outside, from fitness centers to diet centers to places where you go get makeovers to, to, to the clothes we buy. Everybody wants to look good on the outside. But how do you look on the inside? How do you look on the inside? We go and, you know, we jump on a treadmill that goes nowhere except round and round or a bicycle that never leaves the gym. We go and we buy some kind of fake butter that doesn't melt when you put it on your stuff and a potato chip that has no salt on it, which is worthless. And we get consumed with all this stuff. But what about your inner man? You paying attention to it? You spend time in the presence of God, worshiping the God of the universe. Notice he doesn't say our inner man is being renewed Sunday by Sunday. Do you notice that? Underline that in your Bible. It says day by day. Your inner man is renewed. Every day you spend time in the presence of the Father. That's how your inner man is taken care of. That's how you don't lose heart. And so even though your body may be decaying, 
The recognition is you can be renewed every single day by spending time in the presence of God. How do you do that? You've you got to be a man or woman of the word, a man or woman of worship, a man or woman of relationships. In the hallway, every single month, we put three things out for you. One is called uh, the, the, the Closer Walk. That will take you through the New Testament in one year. The other is called the Daily Walk. That will take you through the Bible in one year. The other is called Daily Bread. That will give you devotional every day of the year. We, we put those out free of charge because we want you to be in the Word. A lot of us need help to get in the Word. <clears throat> this will just direct you into the Word, give you a little devotional thought with it. They're free. Pick them up. Use them. After you've picked them up two or three months, though, we ask you to go online and order from Radio Bible Class. The information's on there, and that way other people can get them. You can get them for free, or maybe it's 10 bucks a year or something like that. But you can get those. If you can't afford the 10, keep picking them up. But, but find something to help you get in the Word on a daily basis so you can worship God. You, you can be part of that, and your inner man will be renewed day by day. And th- this, this growth in the spiritual life is not something we gut up. It's not us disciplining ourselves, but it's us, by God's grace, coming to him and allowing the Spirit of God to live through us. And so what we recognize is that we are to grow in godliness. Secondly, the R stands for relationships. If you look at the core values in your bulletin, it's a little circle, three circles. Our core values are personal surrender, community, and sacramental living. We're saying you need to live in community with other believers. You were not made to live alone in the spiritual life. You are, iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. We all need relationships, and honestly, that's a struggle in our culture as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing, and he says, You're aware of the fact that all who are in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Nobody's named their kids that way in a long time, by the way. <clears throat> but he says, Everybody has left me. 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote. He's at the end of his life, and he says, By the way, I'm alone. In fact, if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, it's a haunting passage. He says to Timothy, come to me before winter. Timothy, I'm by myself. I want you to come. He wanted relationship. He wanted community. He goes on and it says, the Lord grant, the Lord grant mercy to the house of Asiphorus. Who's Asiphorus? You ever hear that dude? He's an interesting guy. He's an interesting guy. He brought life to Paul. First of all, it says, grant him mercy. First of all, he often refreshed me. He often refreshed me. That particular word used in the Greek language for refresh means to, to brace up or to revive with fresh air. It's like being in a crowded room like this room, but there's no air. It's hot and sticky, and you're about to pass out, and yet you, you go out, you walk out, or somebody takes you out, and you get revived. He says, I want you to know, I'm praying that the Lord would give mercy to Asiphorus' household because he has often refreshed me. He is a breath of fresh air when he is around me. Hey, you got a friend like that? You got a friend like that? They are a breath of fresh air. Whenever they come around, you're excited to see him. Someone said there are two types of friends. Some friends bring joy wherever they go. Others bring joy when they go. Which are you? Which are you? Paul says, I want you to know, in Cyphorus, he has refreshed me. He has come to me and he's breathed life into me through our friendship. And if you have friends like that, you're a blessed man or woman. Not only that, he says, he wasn't ashamed of my chains. 
He came to me when I was in prison. He, he was not embarrassed. We've got a lot of folks that do prison ministry here. Some of their dearest friends are behind the walls. Do you realize that? And, and they're not ashamed to be with them. And, and not only that, but, the, but they're willing to stand with them. He's saying, I want you to know, Osiphorus, he came to me. I was in chains. He was not embarrassed. Not embarrassed. Hey, you've got a friend and maybe they've lost their job and you're going to stand with them? You're embarrassed about it. Maybe they don't look like you do. Maybe they don't go to the gym and work out. Maybe they're like 50 pounds overweight instead of 20 pounds overweight. You're going to stand with them? Maybe you've got a bunch of education and they don't. They don't talk quite right all the time. They talk like me sometimes. You're going to stand with them? Maybe, maybe they're, you're cultured and they're not cultured. You're going to stand with them? He says, I want you to know Osiphorus, he breathed life into me. He wasn't ashamed. Not only that, he eagerly searched for me. He couldn't find me at first. And so he, he went from, from jail to jail in Rome looking for me. He didn't give up. The, the word search there is a search that is penetrating and a search that is diligent. He didn't give up. When he didn't find me at first in Rome, he kept looking for me. He didn't give up on me. He was a friend who persevered. In spite of him not finding me in the first place, he didn't shrug his shoulders and say, hey, he's gone so much for him, I'm going to go somewhere else. He continued on. He persevered. And not only that, he was my servant. He came and he served me. Here's an application for you. In 2013, 2013, you got a friend like that? A friend that refreshes you, a friend who comes alongside, is never ashamed of you, a friend who he, he or she's the initiator. They always call for coffee. They always call to go to lunch, and, and so they eagerly search you out. Or a friend who serves you. They do things for you without you asking. Get your pins ready. Get your pins ready. Who is that friend in your life? Man, what a great time. You know, I was at Temple Bible Church this morning, and, and my pastor was talking about a friend being one who refreshes them and searches for them and serves them. I want you to know you're that kind of friend to me. You got your pen, write their name down. This week, why don't you, why don't you somehow let them know, man, you are like Osiphorus to me. They're going to say, What? With <laughs> some kind of disease or something? No, I want you to know you're, you're like Osiphorus to me. You refresh me, you search me out, you're never ashamed of me, and you serve me. Now, let me ask you a more difficult question. Are you that kind of friend? Would anybody write your name down right now? Would they say your name? Man, they're the kind of friend that refreshes me, that's never ashamed of me, that initiates things with me, and that serves me. This new year, instead of praying for friends, why don't you pray that you'll be friendly? Why don't you live that way? I'm blessed, man. I've got more dudes in my life that love me, care for me. We do stuff together. Usually we go eat somewhere together. But it, it is a blessing. It is a blessing to have men in my life who love and care for me. And guys, if you're missing it, gals, if you're missing it, you're missing one of the greatest blessings in the spiritual life. I mean, be the one to initiate this week. Call and say, hey, what about a cup of coffee? What about lunch? Why don't you guys come over for dinner? Initiate community in the lives of others. We all need relationship. We need to be those who reach out to others. We need to be those who care for others. 
Maybe you need to restore a relationship in 2013. Maybe it's a year of reconciliation of a friendship that's been broken. Maybe it's a rebuilding. Maybe it's a fence mending. Or maybe there's somebody you know that you'd like to befriend and you've been afraid to do it. Why don't you begin to do that this year? Cephas. Man, he was a guy who refreshed me, was never ashamed. He eagerly searched me and he served me. Reach out to them. Not only reaching out to believers, but what about to unbelievers? What about to unbelievers? Reaching out to those who don't know the Savior. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Are you? Reaching out to unbelievers. Caring for them. Loving them. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul presents the armor of God. And I mean, it's a, it's a great section. He talks about the breastplate of, right, breastplate of righteousness. And you look at Paul's breastplate, I bet you see indentations from swords that have been lashed against it. I bet if you look at the helmet of salvation, you see dents in Paul's helmet because he has been in battle for the gospel. He talks about, about shotting your feet with the gospel. And, and those legs of Paul, those gnarly legs have been everywhere. I mean, he has pursued all these things. And so at the end of Ephesians, he tells the Ephesians, I want you to pray for me. Now, what would the Apostle Paul prayer request be? I mean, what would it be? You think about that. If you said, hey, brothers and sisters of Temple Bible Church, in 2013, I want you to pray for me. What would it be? What would it be? To lose the 20, 30 pounds you need to lose? To be nice to somebody? What would you do? Look what Paul prays. He says, pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul says, Ephesians, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to pray. Here's my prayer request. I want you to pray that I might be bold in presenting the gospel to unbelievers. Paul? you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Paul's asking that? Paul says, I I need you to pray. I'm in chains. I'm an ambassador. But I need you to pray that I would be bold in presenting the gospel to other people. Anybody else need that prayer? Prayed for them? By others? Hey, when's the last time you shared the gospel with anybody? When's the last time you just brought a friend to church? One of the things about TBC, you bring your friends here, most of them will like it. Because they see the body of Christ worshiping, and that's attractive. It's not because of who we are, but it's because of who he is. Why don't you bring your unbeliever to worship sometime? When's the last time you open your home to an unbeliever? You open your home, man. I mean, what if they show up and, you know, they, they cuss in front of my kids? Will you explain to your kids why that person does that? What if they show up and they bring a bottle of wine? You don't want it? Send it to me. Only if it's red, though. <laughs> but, but really, I mean, you think about that. Well, I mean, why, why is it that we segregate and separate ourselves from the unbelieving world? Paul says, pray that I might boldly speak the truth of the gospel. Pray that way. Pray that way. Two weeks ago, somebody said, uh, I heard something about a guy named Crispus. Somebody comes to TBC, uh, told me, you talk about a guy named Crispus in this friend of mine actually was in the gym said uh i've been here three years i've never heard talk about this christmas guy or explain what you're talking about i i'm remiss i, I should do that sounds it seems like every week you've been here for a number of years you know what i'm talking about in acts chapter 18 verse 8 paul is in corinth and in acts chapter 18 verse 8 it says this 
And Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians heard and were believing and being baptized. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue. And when I've taught that before, what I've taught is Crispus was the least likely guy in all of Corinth to come to faith in Jesus. I mean, he's a leader of the synagogue. He's a Jewish leader, and he places his faith in the Messiah. And he trusts Christ. That means that dude was going to lose his job. He was going to lose his standing in the community. He was going to lose everything. He'd be ostracized by the other Jewish people there because now he was turning to Jesus, the Messiah, whom they had rejected. But the scriptures say Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed and was baptized. And so my question for you is, who is your Crispus? Who's the man or woman in your life that's least likely to come to faith in Jesus? Who is that person? Got your pins again? Got your pins again? Who's your Crispus? If they're sitting next to you, don't write their name down. (laughs) Who's your Crispus? Who's the least likely person in your world you think they will never come to know Jesus? It's not going to happen. They're going to die and go to a Christless eternity. There's no way that man, that woman would trust Jesus. You know what brings me great? Over the years, we started teaching that when we were here 20 years because they brought my Christmas. We did a big 20-year celebration 11 years ago at the Mayburn Center. And they brought, when I was in high school, my Christmas was a guy named Salvador Giardini. Good Irish guy. Giardini, that's a good Italian guy. Salvador smoked pot like we would drink water. Salvador, we call him Sal. I mean, he's just a crazy man. He was absolutely nuts. Went to jail twice our senior year. I mean, this is back in the 70s. So, you know, Sal had the longest hair of anybody in our school. And Sal was the least likely guy to come to faith in Christ. We went back for a reunion. I was uh, vice president of my class. And we go back for this reunion in uh, New Orleans. And uh, I hit the door and somebody tells me, Sal's looking for you. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want him to meet Bev and tell her the stuff we did and all this stuff. This is going to be really bad. Sal's looking for you. Here comes Sal sees me. He makes a beeline to me. Me and he is a flaming believer in Jesus, preaching the gospel. He's a violin maker in New Orleans. Imagine that. I mean, he's still like a hippie from the 70s. But he is so on fire for Jesus, it's crazy. He was my Crispus. If you ask me in my high school class, who was the least likely guy to ever come to faith in Jesus, it was Salvador Giardina. Who's your Christmas? Who is it? 2013, would you commit to pray for that person every day? And when they come to faith, would you come and tell me? Over the years, some of you sit in this room right now with somebody else's Christmas. You know it. You know it. They told you that. And they rejoiced when you came to faith. There's a lady in our body right now Three of her Christmas have come to faith over the years. Three of them. Three of them. She keeps praying. They keep getting saved. It's amazing. Finally, that's a picture of Paul I was supposed to take out and I forgot. In 2013, growing godliness, growing relationships, growing outreach, growing the word. Growing the word. Uh, Last year was the first year I haven't read through the Bible in several years. I was on a board. We decided to do a devotional together, so we did this devotional book. I didn't read through the Bible. I've got to tell you, since January 1 of this past week, it's like welcoming an old friend back. Reading through the Bible, it's so refreshing. 
I, I'm reading, I've got something called a one-year Bible. It does Old Testament, New Testament, one psalm a day in part of Proverbs. And, and I told Bev last night as we were drifting off, I said, you know, this is like having an old friend back. I, I, by, I, I pray by God's grace that I'll never go another year of my life without reading through the Bible. Devotions are fine, but they're no substitute for God's word. And you can use them to get you in God's word. Do that. But be your man or woman of the word of God. Jeremiah 13 talks about that. 17, rather. A worthy resolution in 2013 grow in godliness, relationships, outreach, and the word. Some of you are thinking about quitting. We've talked about it. You've come to me. I've gone to you. You're thinking about quitting. Spiritual life is rugged. Your life is rugged. Things are rugged. You're, you're here today thinking, I, I don't know, I want to continue on. You're thinking about quitting a marriage. You're thinking about quitting a relationship. You're thinking about quitting the spiritual life. ESPN does a thing called Outside the Lines. Some of you dudes and dudesses watch it, I'm sure. Rick Riley writes an article. It's the end of Sports Illustrated every month. And he did a deal on a kid named Ben Coleman. Ben Coleman went to the same high school that the movie Radio, you remember the movie Radio? That was a great movie. You not seen it. It's a great movie to read. Ben Coleman went to high school a number of years after uh, Radio did, but it's the same high school. Ben Coleman's a kid who's going to teach you not to quit. He didn't quit physically. I'm asking you not to quit spiritually. We'll conclude with this video. 18-year-old Ben has cerebral palsy. He has limited control of his arms, and the stiffness in his legs makes it tough for him just to pick his feet up. He's had to sleep with a leg brace. He's had to undergo physical therapy. Still, Ben runs. And not just for the joy of it. Ben Coleman runs to compete. For the last five years, he's been on the cross-country team at T.L. Hanna High School. From his earliest days, what Ben Komen wanted most was to be on a team. But Ben and his parents could not find a team that would let him play. They were happy to have him there if he was sitting on the bench, or they were happy to have him there if he was satisfied being the water boy. He wasn't satisfied and neither were we. Most runners take about 20 minutes to complete a 3.1-mile course. Ben needs more than twice that long, 45 minutes that rack his uncooperative body and test his spirit as he falls far behind everyone else. Ben's one of the most competitive kids I've ever seen. You, you've got to be competitive to, to almost never beat anybody, to constantly try to beat your time. And that's what Ben wants to do. He wants to beat his time. It's sometimes hard to keep going when I'm all by myself. I get nervous sometimes out on courses that what's going to happen if I fall and can't get up again or something happens, what am I going to do? Because I do sometimes get lonely. But as Ben would continue to run, he found that he was not alone that some competitors who had already completed the course and others who care about him were coming back to run with him. They would cheer him on and they would help him up the times when he would fall. My head, my head. 
Amid the gathering dusk towards the end of this course, Ben falls again. He gets to his feet, and then his three siblings, Megan, Alex, and Chris, accompany him as he pushes himself to the finish. A wave of exhaustion just, it hits like a, a brick wall right at the end, along with the pain. Everything that should have hurt two and a half miles ago from the falls, that's when it, it kicks in. All that can cloud this moment is the knowledge that, as a senior, Ben has just one cross-country race left. In his final competition, the regional championship, which his school hasn't won since 1993, Ben must once again contend with uneven terrain that can make him trip or slip. As Ben crosses the finish line comes the realization that for the first time all year, he has broken 41 minutes. He broke it. 41. He broke it. It's pretty official, Ben. Congratulations to you. And after he gets cleaned up, Ben Coleman stands at the end of his high school career, before his family and rivals, and among his teammates, just as he always dreamed he would. Not as the special one, not as the different one, but as a winning one. A member of the Hannah Yellow Jackets, champions of their region. Don't quit, don't give up, continue on. When I watched that, I thought that's what Paul's talking about. Don't lose heart, don't stop. And did you see how the community came around him and encouraged him to finish? We grow in godliness, relationships, outreach, and the word to his glory, to his honor, not losing heart and never quitting. Father, that's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.